This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. I would say early retirement is possible for more people than you think. It might not be for 35 like me. It might not be for 40 like David. It might be 55, but that's still early retirement. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're going to do three things. First, we're going to answer a question from the Marriage, Kids, and Money community about early retirement. Second, we are back with our FinTech Spotlight segment. This month, we are featuring our sponsor, Cube Money. This company is harnessing the power of cash envelope budgeting, but they're making it digital to make it easy, right? I'm going to chat with the founder of Cube Money, Ryan Clark, about this new budgeting tool and why cash envelope budgeting is truly a superior budgeting system. And last but not least, my daughter Zoe will join me to read our review of the month, and we're going to have a quick chat about summer and coronavirus. All right, let's jump into today's show. I received a question on Instagram at Andy Hill MKM from David. So here it is, everybody. Andy, my wife and I are turning 30 next year, and we love the idea of retiring by 40. We're debt-free, we make $120,000 combined, and we live on $50,000 a year. So we are making a lot of money and we are saving a lot of money. What steps can we take to retire by 40? Thank you, David. David, thank you very much for reaching out on Instagram. I really appreciate that. Touch and base there again, everybody. That's Andy Hill MKM on all social media platforms if you've got a question for me. But I've been interviewing a lot of financially independent folks over the past four years that I've been doing this show, and I've definitely learned a lot. But I thought it would be more fun to bring in a guest who's actually retired early. So to help me answer David's question today, I'm happy to be joined by online entrepreneur, writer, and early retiree Steve Adcock. Steve's writings on financial independence and happiness have been featured on major media sites like CBS, Market Watch. Forbes, Business Insider, CNBC, and Vice. So for those of you who have been listening for a long, long time, you may remember that we interviewed Steve back in 2017 about how he retired at 35 years old. You can find that episode at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 13. Yeah, that's how long ago it was, session 13. And I'm so glad to have him back today. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you so much for having me, Andy. I'm glad to be back. Absolutely, man. Well, it's been too long. I know we've hung out in person quite a bit over those years, but I'm glad to have you here today to help me and help David out with this question. So let's talk about David's question first. What steps should David take to hit this goal of retiring by 40? Well, first of all, I have to offer my congratulations for even having that goal, because just being able to understand the fact that this is possible for a lot of people, that is an amazing initial realization. And really putting things into place, that's where the rubber meets the road. And what I, I'd like to break financial independence down into a few basic, I guess, categories. 
The idea behind building wealth is you have two different income sources that comes primarily from your salary and from your investments. So those two things build wealth. Your lifestyle reduces wealth. So income plus investments minus lifestyle, that is how much money you have. That is how you build wealth. So as you think about financial independence and maybe even early retirement, you should keep those basic principles in mind so you know what's going to add to your wealth and subtract from it. A lot of people focus on the income part, and David's combined 120K a year. That's great. That's wonderful. Spending only 50 grand a year. That's also wonderful. But what I would advise David to do in this situation is take a really, really good guess about what early retirement is going to look like for him. And that will give him a really good baseline. For example, does he want to travel more? Does he want to sell his house and retire to an RV like, like I did? Or maybe move to a higher cost of living area or a lower cost of living area? Whatever that looks like, that's going to give you a pretty good baseline based on what you're spending now about what you will probably anticipate spending later on. And with that in mind, you could start making way more intelligent decisions with your life. So if you're 30 now, you want to retire at 40, that's 10 years. So you are in the prime of your money-making career, man. This is it. This is where the magic happens. So I would really encourage you to never say no opportunities to build wealth. If that's a promotion that might add a little bit more responsibility, really consider that. Yes, naturally, you don't want to hate your life. You don't want to hate what you do for a living because that's not worth it. But really, this is where you're going to make the majority of your money. So be that yes man, but in a positive sense, not the negative sense. (laughs) Be a yes man. Just get get yourself out there and make your really get involved with as many opportunities as you can because you never know what's going to come from those. That's certainly what what I did too. It sounds like he's got a good level of income right now. And if he can grow that even more and enjoying his life along the way, that's that's great. That's a great thing to do. So let's talk about what he's going to do with this money. So he's making more. He's obviously grown the gap between the income and the expenses. That's a great starting point. What do you do with the money then to get to early retirement? That, that's right. And that that's that's the middle part of that wealth building equation. So income plus investments. So I would really highly encourage you with whatever you make, however you make it, invest the large majority of that income, whether it's long-term retirement accounts like a 401k or an IRA, health savings accounts with a high deductible insurance plan. That's a really good option for a lot of people. Not everyone's qualified for an HSA, but if you are, definitely consider that because your growth is tax-free for qualified medical expenses. And if you don't use that money by 65, it acts basically like a retirement account and you, you can extract that money as if it were in a 401k. So that's a really good option. We use Vanguard brokerage accounts when we were in this lead up to early retirement ourselves, that really added a lot. We we saved about 70% of our income. David's saving about 50%, which is after taxes, which is what it's a wonderful, wonderful percentage to, to, to be at. But your checking account 
and your savings account is not how you build wealth. Your investments are how you build wealth. The only exception to that is if you do not have an emergency fund of at least six months, most personal finance advisors advise three to six months. I like to go that extra step and say six months. So if you lose your job tomorrow, how long can you live your life without having to sell your house or eat rice and beans for a living? That I think will will give you the confidence to start making maybe different changes with how you earn income and saying yes to more opportunities, even though there might be some kind of risk involved there. The better your fallback, the easier it's going to be to start taking a little bit more risk, maybe while you're young to really build that income up, get those investments going, minimize that lifestyle, which it looks like you already have done. So you can hit that market 40. That makes a lot of sense. So you talked about the things like the 401k, the IRA, the HSA. If he gets to 40, how can he use those things that are you know, sort of meant for traditional retirement. I know there's fees and penalties and things like that. How does he get around that? Or should he be investing in other ways? There are ways to get around it. 401ks and IRAs are traditionally long-term retirement accounts that you can take when you're 65. But there's like the Roth backdoor ladder where you can start taking money out of your 401k through your Roth IRA early without penalty. There's substantially equal periodic payments, I think it is. So there, there are some loopholes to get at that money sooner. But I would highly encourage you not to depend on that because you want that money later because that's what it's meant for. That's why it's there. It's there for your traditional your traditional retirement age. So you really don't want to assume that that's going to be available, I guess, when you're 40. Passive income and side hustles. Those are two wonderful options to boost your cash flow now, but also start making some money after you quit your job. And that's what, what my wife and I did. We have you know the YouTube channel, Why Freelance Right. I do a, a number of different things that bring in a little money here and there. And when your expenses are low, when your lifestyle is minimized to such a degree, a hundred bucks a week, that's meaningful. Right now it might not be as meaningful, but when you're only spending, I don't know, 30 grand, 40 grand a year, that hundred dollars means so much more to you. And you don't have to work as hard once you get to 40 to start bringing in just a little bit of extra cash to make your lifestyle a little bit more enjoyable and easier to live. So side hustles that you can build now that you're not going to say, Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll do that later. You know, once I retire, then I'll do that nine times out of 10, that just doesn't happen. So start experimenting now while you have the job. So if things don't work out, it doesn't really matter because you have your full-time income. So if you start doing those things now, we get a feel for what you're going to like to do. That's really going to set you up to earn a little bit of income after retirement. Got it. Got it. And you talked about passive income sources. Would that be things like through a taxable brokerage or real estate? How would we get those? could be real estate. It could be dividend investing. Those are the two big ones. I, I suppose if you started a business and, and, and sold it and you get residual payments, that would be wonderful too, but we're not all that lucky. And I'm, I'm certainly a part of that. Most side hustles are not passive because you really have to actively work to build those, those hustles up and maintain them. So I would not consider almost any side hustle to be passive. In my view, passive is dividend real estate, maybe 
some rental properties here and there. But even then, that's not totally passive because there's renovations and things you, you have to do every once in a while. But for the most part, you're not going into the office every single day to earn that that passive income. We don't have a lot of passive income. Most of what we do is active, but but I know a lot of people out there who choose the more passive route, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. So let's talk about your situation a little bit. I know we spent a lot of time talking uh, three or four years ago on the show, and you guys were in the midst of traveling around the country in an RV after you had you know, decided to say goodbye to the nine to five. So where are you now? <laughs> well, it's interesting. We bought a 100% off-grid house in the Southern Arizona desert. We did travel around full-time for three years. We sold both of our homes and just lived in the Airstream. So we did the travel, but I was kind of, I wanted to stretch my wings a little bit. It was a little bit cramped in there. It was a 200 square foot airstream. So it's good. It's going to be small. And I guess I was tired of sharing my office with the kitchen. And yeah, I wanted a more traditional office space, some, some room to spread out a little bit. So that's really what sparked my interest in maybe getting some property and maybe even a house on that property. And this was last year. And we had obviously no idea that COVID-19 was going to hit. And the freedom of owning property and a little off-grid house out in the middle of the desert while all this is happening. It was completely dumb luck, but we timed it perfectly. It could not have worked out any better. Yeah. Talk about staying away from individuals or, or social distancing, right? That's the ultimate social distancing. <laughs> exactly. And when we, yeah, when you're out there, social distancing is a way of life. We have a neighbor, our nearest neighbor is probably a quarter of a mile away, but then the next nearest neighbor is probably two or three miles. So we have to work to see people. We have to go out of our way to become, you know, get within six feet of another person. So that's kind of nice. That's wild. So off grid, talk to me about how do you get power then? How does that work? Yeah, power, we have solar. So renewable energy directly on property. We have 3,700 watts of solar on poles, big metal poles that we can rotate all the solar panels so it points right at the sun. That feeds into our patch panel. Inside, we have four 48-volt lithium batteries that power our house when the sun's down so those batteries charge when the sun's up and and the solar panels are bringing in power. We have more than enough power for all all of our camera equipment, our computers, even an air conditioner, a little portable AC that just sits on the floor. It even powers that just fine. So it's really, it's a really nice little setup. We also don't have water like city water, but we rain harvest. So whenever it rains, falls on our roof, funnels into gutters and into a couple of really big water tanks that we proceed to filter three or four times before it gets into our house and into our cups for, for drinking. So it is it is really cool to be or to live, I guess, a very, very sustainable life. And we're not environmentalists. We just kind of fell into this, but we found that it's worked out really well for us. So you're frugal folks, and then you fell into the eco life because of the frugality and the need for it. So you're now eco frugal. (laughs) 
I like that. I no, no, I love that. Andy. We are eco eco frugal completely by accident, but it's working, and we are we are we are running with this as long as we can. Oh, I love that, man. Cool. Well, talk to me a little bit about the ways you found to make some income in early retirement. You talked about the importance of getting a side hustle and doing work that you like, and you know you talk about happiness a lot too. So you mentioned camera equipment and computers. Tell me what you're doing now, you and Courtney, to make a little bit of dough. We've had a YouTube channel for the longest time. Really, ever since we set sail traveling, we started the YouTube channel. It's called A Stream in Life. And that chronicled our travel journeys through, you know, in, in the Airstream. We have a little over 17,000 followers now. Not bad, but I also do a lot of freelance writing with, you know, CNBC and Market Watch and Ladders and th- those kinds of publications, which I really enjoy doing more, way more than I think thought I was going to enjoy. But the more I got into it, the more I liked it. So I really take advantage of all those opportunities whenever I can. Courtney has started a yarn or a a knitting pattern business where she sells patterns, not the finished product, just the patterns to knitters. And she donates 51% of those profits to, to charity with everything she sells. So that's her way of making money and also giving back at the same time. So that that balance really, really works out well for her. And, and lastly, I wrote an ebook. It's called Big Money. I donate, well, this month I'm donating 100% of all revenue to a charity that helps women, people of color enter the information technology business. And that is the business that enabled us to accumulate all this wealth. So it's the least I, I can do to at least try to pay it forward so other people can follow into my footsteps as well. So all of, all of those things combined, it's not getting us rich, maybe a couple thousand a month. But like I said before, when you're only spending 30 or 35K a year, a couple thousand a month, that's darn good. Yeah, absolutely. That could be a lot of money. What's the organization that you mentioned? I'd love to put it in the show notes for people to consider donating as well. It's called Black Girls Code. Very, very to the point. They they don't mince words with their name. It's very direct. But yeah, that's that's exactly what they do. And we're, we're certainly glad to help there. That's incredible. I love how you're giving back in that way, especially for the way that you earned your living and grew your wealth. That's an incredible way to, to do it. So Steve, thank you so much for being here. One question before we go, there's somebody listening right now and you know, maybe they're not making as much as David. They hear he's making $120,000. Maybe they're making sub $100,000. Is early retirement a possibility for somebody like that? And if so, what advice would you have for them? Yeah, I I would say early retirement is possible for more people than you think. It might not be for 35 like me. It might not be for 40 like David. It might be 55, but that's still early retirement. And the earlier that you can start putting these pieces into place, especially when it comes to downsizing your lifestyle, really taking a look at all of your monthly expenses, what means the most to you, especially those monthly subscription fees like magazines and cable that you don't really know or you don't realize are coming out of your, your bank account but they are every single month. And the problem is you don't have to lift a finger for that to happen. It just happens. So going through those bank statements and those credit card statements, cutting out what's not completely meaningful to you, really saying yes to all of your opportunities, that's going to give you the best chance of boosting that income, which gives you the money to invest and really build your wealth as you downsize your lifestyle, you put those pieces into place. And I think you're going to find that you will hit financial independence earlier 
than you think. And it really, I mean, this, this, this snowballs exponentially and the magic just gets more and more, I don't know, exciting, I guess, once you put the pieces into place, which is the hard part, but then it gets easier with each and every step after that. That, uh, that compound interest, it's pretty magical, right? <laughs> it really is. It really is. It's math, but it's also magic, which is weird to say in the same sentence, but yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We're, we can combine all these words, mathagical and eco-frugal. It'll be great. We'll eco-frugal, be yeah, exactly. Exactly. We, <laughs> we, we are trendsetters today. That's yeah. right. That's we're making up new words. Oh, awesome, Steve. This has been great. Thank you so much for being here. You mentioned your new ebook. Where can people get that? And then where can people follow you and connect with you? My ebook, it'll probably be linked in the show notes below. It's at Gumroad. It's a it's a platform to download ebooks like that. But it's called Big Money. You'll you'll find it down below. On Twitter, my handle is Steve on Speed, and I blog at steveadcock.us. Perfect, man. Thank you so much for being here. It's great to connect again. I'm bummed it's been three years, and I'm glad we did it today. <laughs> totally. Yep. Me too. Glad to do it. Thanks for having me, Andy. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work-optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello.
For our FinTech Spotlight segment this month, we are featuring our sponsor, Cube Money, a company focused on digital cash envelope budgeting. I've invited the founder of Cube Money, Ryan Clark, to tell us more about this cash flow planning solution and how it's helping people take control of their money. We're also going to discuss the advantages of cash and debit cards over credit. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thank you so much, Andy. Excited to be here. Absolutely, man. So let's talk about cash and credit cards. I have gone back and forth a million times with just using cash and the envelopes and debit cards and credit cards, and I've had a lot of experience, but I want to know what what are some of the advantages of using cash over credit cards in your opinion? You know, cash is really powerful. And I think that everyone out there will, will agree that when you part with cash, there can be this emotional connection to it. So it, it helps to reinforce any kind of budgeting or, or, or control mechanism that you're looking for. However, I've had I've interviewed a lot of different people with Cube as we've been talking and bringing the system out, who have actually said that for them, cash can do the opposite. Where if they have cash, they just feel like oh, it's gone, and, and it doesn't have that. So it's really interesting, and and ultimately that has led me to realize that the the instrument we're using is not the main thing that has to be in place to really reinforce the budgeting controls that we're looking for, there is an, actually a different element. So regardless of payment device, I think most people are on the fan, are on, are on the side of there's this parting pain, but there are other people that that doesn't, it doesn't do it for them. So there's something else that really has to be in there. Everybody has their own sort of feel, right? That's why it's called personal finance, right? So let's talk about credit cards. Obviously people love their credit cards. Why are people drawn to credit cards so much? It's the rewards, Andy. Everything, all the reports that I see, all the stats, cards are driven by rewards. Card usage is driven by rewards. People love to get stuff back. What's interesting, though, is that people that use plastic of any kind statistically are also overspending by 17 to 20%. So those rewards are expensive whether you carry a balance or not. That is so interesting. And I believe it. I have done some personal experiments myself where we've gone cash, we've gone credit cards, and... Even though I say, hey, we're going to spend exactly what we've got in here, well, I know that I spend more with credit cards for sure. So it's just so easy. It is. You just swipe, right? Or, or now you don't even have to swipe. You just like hold it in front of the machine and it goes blip. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's all brand new systems now. Well, let's talk about the cash envelope system because I know that's a successful system for a lot of people and it helps them to control their money. Let's talk about what that is. What is the cash envelope system? Cash envelopes, as far as we can tell, originated back in the Depression time. That's when we first start see it come out. And I mean, you can see it play out in jars, in piggy banks, you know, any kind of accumulation and isolation of money is very effective because what you're doing is you're creating purpose and isolation for those dollars. So that that piece of it is very powerful. And then you have the I guess there's, there's, there's two sides. There's, there's the first part where you're, you're accumulating money into a purposeful bucket of some type. That's, one, that's the allocation of money that's really powerful with purpose, right? You're giving every money or every dollar purpose and you're creating intentionality. Then when you're spending, there's the logistical issue. And this is what we were talking about earlier with, with cash, right? You actually have to part with the money. You have to... So for, for anyone using cash envelopes, when they're at the store, they have to basically answer two questions every single time they want to spend. And the first one is, where's the money coming from? And the second is, do I have enough? Right? So they're looking at their spend of what they want to buy. They now go into their purse or wallet. Which envelope is this money coming from? And then they have to sit in there and they have to count, do I have enough? Or if they're, if they're really on it, then they're going to have their, their ledger going. But there's all that that has to happen. Now, for most people, that happens in a split second. They look and they go and they're able to spend. Now, if they don't have enough, 
they're presented with one of the most wonderful, magical opportunities ever in finance. And honestly, I think this is where cash envelopes gets the majority of its power. First, they have to do everything before they make a purchase. But then if they don't have enough in one envelope, they're able to analyze and weigh out their priorities. Is the evening date envelope more important or less important than the shoes I want to buy right now? Or whatever it is, right? Is the trip to Disneyland less or more important than what I want to do right now? And this is huge. Just that that element alone, first having to do this, having to do it before a purchase and make those two decisions. And then the ability to reanalyze your plan if you don't have enough funds, right? That right there curbs spending. And that that those elements all combined, I think, is why cash envelopes for the last 100 years has been the most effective system at creating real change, not just tracking. There's lots of systems that can track, but real change in spending behaviors that'll be consistent over time. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's really what we're looking for. We're looking for behavior change because if it was super easy to do, then everybody would be on budget and rich and all that, right? That's right. That's right. (laughs) So let's talk about, you started to mention some categories. You said shoes and date night. What kind of envelopes can people have? Let's talk about what people use typically for a cash envelope system. Well, you've got your, your typical six groceries or food, dining out, gas, clothing, Travel is a big one. You know, when we started out doing this, when we were creating digital envelopes, it was interesting because all of a sudden people could do envelopes and they could shop online. And one of the biggest ones we found was an Amazon envelope. <laughs> and so people shop on, on on Amazon, or at least they want to, if, if you have if you have a digital. But yeah, so those are those are some of the most common. So that's the big beef then, probably with the cash envelope system, is that you can't really shop online, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you can't do hotels. You can't do a car rental can't get a, a plane flight, can't do Amazon, obviously. So where that is becoming more and more of a, of, of a big thing, if you can't go digital, you, you can't use that system. And so you're now forced to get into the void that is the current banking system where it doesn't have any sort of a philosophy built into it. It's just a void. And anytime you have an empty space, it's always going to get filled with junk. Or I should say it's more apt to get filled with junk and bad ideas and marketing propaganda and all of these things, which is why we're also susceptible to spend and spend and swipe and go. That makes sense. Well, let's talk about where Cube fits into this whole solution. Then you got cash envelopes and then you want to be able to spend digitally. You want to be able to spend online. So talk to me about how Cube solves this problem. My background is in financial planning and coaching. And for the last, well, at, at the time, it was 10 years of experience with clients. And I would, I would face this same problem over and over again, where I would, I would see their spending behavior. I knew what needed to happen. So I would give them the cash envelope system. And it was fantastic until they wanted to go shop on Amazon or somewhere online. But so we would, I would explain to them how to do it. And many of them would, would go through it. And it was incredible to see the spending change it happened so so consistently. It was amazing, but because it, it wasn't, you, you couldn't use it everywhere. And with the the quantity of online transactions and subscriptions and everything we have that are happening digitally now, it's just it, it's you know it, it's old school. Even though it is extremely effective, and so the whole thing came to a head for me. I was working with a couple that was making a quarter million a year, and you would think with a quarter million a year, life's great, but they had made that for about a decade, and they had thirty thousand dollars to the name. Now they had all the nice cars, they had the big house, they had the best seats at all the events, right? But they had no money. And even with a quarter million of finances, the husband and wife are like this frequently. So I put them on the best 
digital tool I could find at the time. And back then, it was the latest and greatest. I was really excited about it. And I said, hey, why don't you guys try this tool? I helped him get set up. We designed a great plan for him. But because it could be bypassed, about three or four months in, they fell off. So that's another element that I think is really powerful with cash envelopes. It becomes the banking system. It is both the bank and the budget in one that normally we don't get. Normally, people have their bank over here because they have to do something digital, right, with the works in the system. And they'll have a tracking tool over here that says, you only have $500 in, in groceries. But really, you know, you have several thousand dollars. And so it's just so easy to spend the real money and ignore the budget because it's not real. It's not a real thing. It's just, you know, an idea. So what cash envelopes does is it does, it brings that together. The bank is the budget. The budget is the bank. They're one and the same. Now, we often like to use an analogy for this of a refrigerator filled with junk food. If your fridge is filled with tons of junk food, what are you probably going to eat? The tasty stuff. <laughs> right, right. You're just going to go for it because it's easy. That's how the system works. It's just, that's what's there. But then you know how you're going to look if you do eat all that stuff, <laughs> right? So the analogy we like is what if your fridge was filled with compartmentalized vegetables and fruits and just, you know, beautiful and glorious that way, then you're probably going to default to what's there. The system is organized. The system is categorized. The system is compartmentalized. It's just how you're going to eat and it's all healthy. When you can make that change, it also makes budgeting and living like that very, very simple. And that's something else we found in, in, with cash envelopes and then taking this digital. We found that when the environment has now shifted, and that's just the way banking works, within, within a week or two, people just all of a sudden, oh yeah, I, just, I, have to, I have to go to my app first and I'll select where I'm going to spend from and then I'm swiping and I'm done. It makes, it makes the concept of budgeting, it, it removes it from that four-letter word category. You know what I mean? A lot of you, you say budgeting, they're like, ah, I don't want to do that. But this makes it simple because it's just how it works. That makes sense. So walk me through somebody going to the store and using the card. How does it work? It's exactly the exact same methodology and behavior of cash envelopes. So in cash envelopes, you go into the store, you open your wallet or purse, you choose which category, which envelope you're going to spend from. So there's the, the, the first question. You, you confirm that you have enough, right? You, then you're going to dip in. And now your payment method is your hand grabbing cash and giving it to the person, right? With Cube, with Cube Bunny, same exact thing. Only you're going to get your phone out. You have to open the app. You select which envelope or cube you're going to spend from. You simply tap on that one. The money loads up into the card. You hand the card to the person or you just tap your phone if you're going virtual. And you pay and you walk out. You don't have to think afterwards, oh, I've got to categorize that or you get the app out and then you know, there's no after the fact. All of your planning, all of that happens when you get paid, right? It's that purposeful intentionality when you get paid, when you're not surrounded by the marketing propaganda. You do it when you get paid, ideally calm, logical, and you can do that with your significant other. And then when you're at the store, it's as simple as tap, swipe, and you're done. All with intention. So let's say I've got up to the counter and I've got $200 allotted for groceries and I've got $250 worth of groceries there, but I want to get them. Can I steal from other categories? Is that a no-no? How does that work? You absolutely can. Yeah, we made it so that the core thing that has to happen with, with envelopes is that you have, to be, you have to use the system. So our card defaults to zero, meaning if you just swipe it, it's going to fail. Thus reinforcing the behavior to go to the app first. You have to make a choice. You have to have that, in, that intention. You have to spend with purpose. You, you tap the button. But if you don't have enough right there, you have more money in other, in other cubes. 
So you can transfer between cubes, but it's gonna it's gonna make you have to reevaluate your purpose. If you if you if you're spending with a partner, you might think, oh, okay, let's see, date night. Do I want to take from that? Nah, I think she's got something important planned this weekend. Maybe from her clothing cube. Yeah, she doesn't need more clothes. I mean, I can take from that one, right? Or you know, whatever. But it's gonna make you reevaluate and prioritize. And that's powerful. Just having that split moment to think, can I take money from other other places? Everything's always done on purpose. And so you get to evaluate that instead of spending money in a cloud with no intention. Yeah, the epiphany here for me is it goes from mindless spending to spending with a purpose. If I remember the commercial correctly, there's a commercial, it's like a visa commercial where they're all like lining up in a row and they're all just swiping their cards and moving and and somebody comes up and they've got cash and everybody's really mad at them because they're like counting out their money or something like that. But really, it's the opposite. It's like, slow down for a second, make sure you should buy this or that you actually have money for it and spend with purpose, I guess, is what we're talking about here, right? That's right. Spending with purpose. (laughs) Well, let's talk about some of the other features because that sounds a really, really great tool that can help people control their money. I understand that it is available for families too. So what does that mean? What does your family plan mean? And I understand there's kids involved too. So talk to me about that. So last year, we, we brought out our initial concept program, which is called Proactive Budget. And when we, when we did that, the, the intention was just to recreate cash envelopes. But we realized very quickly that people didn't want just cash envelopes. They wanted a full banking suite that had the envelope behavior baked into it. And that's what Cube is. We also realized that there's, there's a social aspect to money. And children, people want to be able to teach cash envelopes and these great financial behaviors to their kids. I've experienced that. My daughter comes home after babysitting or something. She's got a $20 bill. And I'm like, hey, cool, honey, let me teach you what to do with that. Take 10% and put it, uh, put it to charity. Take 10 or 20%, put that to savings. But she has a $20 bill. How on earth do I actually implement those great, wonderful concepts, right? It's, it's too hard because the, the bill isn't divisible unless I want to go drive to the bank and split it up into ones or something, right? And that's annoying. So I think for most parents, we end up just talking about it and never implementing. So Cube changes that because yes, now you can have the entire family organized into the same exact structure. Parents have the ability to to see into their kids' cubes, help them build that out, help teach them that, put controls on if you've got a college student, you want to put some controls like, you know, no spending off outside of campus. You can do geolocation. You can do restrictions by merchant. So some of those things, no, maybe no spending at any alcoholic or bar type of merchant, right? You can do some of those things to create some controls and help your kids or just put some rails on how you want your money to go. But ultimately, it socializes everything. One of the coolest features, I think, that uh, we've come up with as we've realized this whole social aspect is what we kind of refer to as Dropbox for money. So imagine your daughter's 16, she's coming home from school and you're like, hey, sweetie, could you go by the store and pick up some milk and eggs? And she's like, sure, dad, I'm happy to, but I don't have any money. (laughs) So how do I get her some money? Now, if I'm using Venmo, I could transfer her 20 bucks and then she could make the purchase and then send me the change back. But that's kind of annoying. There's multiple steps. What I've seen that happens usually with that is you send the kid 20 bucks, they buy the milk and eggs and you never get the money (laughs) back, right? They're like, I'm happy to buy stuff for you. I get money (laughs) off of this deal. Right. So that's, that's one way to do it. You could transfer. But what we've come up with here is, is what we call the cube share. And what this does is it allows me to go to my grocery cube and temporarily send my cube to her. And now she can spend. So she sees a pop-up on her phone. She uses her card. She taps on my cube, 
spends the money. Maybe I put a limit of 20 bucks only, or maybe I give her the whole thing. You can choose how you want to do that, but I can share her that cube. She can spend it from my money. The transaction finishes and then the cube pulls back out of her view and everything's done. Super simple. That is great. I love that system. So talk to me about how it works. Is there a payment processor? Are you guys the bank? How does that work? You know, for those that have been following us for the last three years, we've been working on this. It has been tricky because we have several dependencies, as do any company in our in our realm. We're dependent on a bank. We're dependent on processes. We're dependent on Visa. You know, so we do have these these dependencies. And what's wonderful now is because of our success with Proactive and all the good numbers we were able to pull out of that program, we were able to go to the best in the business. So we just signed a deal with Visa. There's some, there's some information coming out on that here soon. So that's awesome. So they're, they're behind us. We've got the best in the business as far as processing. They process for a lot of the big names. I don't know if I can say those here on the show, but they have the, the best in the business. They're fast. They have a rule that they have to process everything in four seconds which is amazing where we were hitting like 15 and 30 seconds beforehand. It was really awful. So we're super excited to finally bring out the the tech and the partnerships that can really drive this home. Excellent. Well, that's good to hear, especially with the backup. So you you say Visa, so it, it works just like a debit card. Then probably if there's a fraudulent charge, then you work with Visa. Is that how it works? It's a Visa debit card, so it works just like a debit card. Oh, and then I, I didn't mention, then we have a FDIC insured bank backing the whole program as well. So all of the, all of everything that you would want to be there for a full banking suite, it's there. Excellent. Well, let's talk about some of the nitty gritty. What does this cost me? There will be a free version. I'll put that out here. So when we release, there will be a free version. It's basic, but for a lot of single people, maybe college students, maybe it's just enough. But if you really want to use this with all the pro features, it's just a whopping $8 a month. I know it's steep, but eight. <laughs> That's a good deal. Absolutely. Yeah, $8 for the premium. And then we have a family program. And eventually we will have a platinum. Family's part of what we talked about earlier with the kid and everything like that? Exactly. So you can have up to 10 kids on that. And that one's 15 a month. It covers everything. It's a busy family, 10 kids. Yeah, there are a few <laughs> like that. In fact, my, my, my co-founder, he's got eight. So. No way. Oh, wow. Okay. He, maybe he made purpose for the system then, huh? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's great. Well, Ryan, this has been very informative. I think that, you know, we're talking about the pros and cons of cash versus credit cards. I guess I did have one more question. You said at the top of the show is that rewards is like this one thing that keeps drawing people back to credit cards. How are you guys going to combat that with either your communication, or your marketing, or just the general product that you're bringing to say, hey, this is better than credit cards? So immediately, the, the primary draw should be the fact that with, with cards, people are overspending. 17 to 20% is, is statistically what it is. And just like you were saying, Andy, if, if people will track themselves with cash versus their card, they're going to spend less. They will see that show up. And that savings alone is massive. We see most of our, 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 most of our users with, with Proactive, we're saving $400 within a month or two. Just that fast, just from, just from spending on purpose. That right there, I think, is, is, is the biggest statement that I can have for that. However, we do have two other systems. One of those will come online later this year. We call it the card sync, where if you do spend with one of your rewards card, our system will get notified. It is after the fact, so it's not before the purchase, but we'll get notified of the purchase. And then you're able to tell the system where it comes from or where that money should be, which cube you want to use to pay that transaction. And then we'll send the payment. So it can make your credit cards kind of turn into debit cards because we're always making the payment, keeping that balance at zero. That system, again, later this year, we call it the card sync. 
So that makes a lot of sense. And I really like your point on the savings, because whether people sign up for your system or not, Ryan, I would say take a month to try cash envelopes versus credit cards so you can become a believer. And then obviously, if you love the digital nature of it, it sounds like cube money might be the place for you. So congratulations on developing this company. When can somebody jump on this and and take advantage of it? We're getting really close, Andy. So beta testing should start up here. Well, early beta testing was probably going to be late April. And then May, we'll, be, we'll get into the, the core of the beta testing. We did decide that we're going to extend that a little longer. And then we're probably looking at summer, early to mid-summer for the full release. So if you want to get in, go to our website, sign up. You can get on as a, as a beta tester and, and start sooner than later. Or you can wait for the full release here this summer and start spending with purpose. Excellent. Well, Ryan, tell us what that website is so people know where to go. Cubemoney.com. Excellent, Ryan. Thank you so much for your time today and congratulations on this launch. Thank you, Andy. Retiring early and protecting your money with digital cash envelopes. This episode is definitely going to create some super savers out there. As a quick reminder, everybody, this show is for entertainment purposes only. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do one thing to support this show. Please leave me a review in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Those reviews help more people to find this show. To encourage you to leave a review for the show, each month we do a book giveaway. So we received eight reviews since last month's giveaway offer. And as a reminder, this quarter, we're going to be giving away three different book options from past podcast guests. Those books are as follows. The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins. The Cash Machine by Dave Mason. And an awesome children's book called Money Monsters by Akoma Moronu Schrainer. And to help me pick a winner this week, I've got my assistant, Zoe Hill, here once again with me. How you doing, baby? Good. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. I know it's late and we've got to go on a crazy wild trip tomorrow. So Mm -hmm. it means a lot to me that you do this every month with me. Thank Mm you. You're welcome. So summer's here, baby. Mm-hmm. What are you most excited about for summer? Summer is where the coronavirus almost ends. Yeah, I hope so. Gosh. It seems to be going down in our state at least, right? Yeah, but then when it goes down, people start breaking the rules and they, and people and then it goes up high. Again. Yeah, gosh. What can we do to not get the coronavirus? Don't break the rules even when it's super low because mm-hmm. it might go back up. Sure, do yeah. Do it like when the coronavirus is not here. Right. It's gone. Or we got a vaccine or something, right? Yeah. That's smart, man. Well, maybe when things are getting better, you know, we can spend some time outside. What are your favorite things to do outside during the summer? Play with um, friends Mm -hmm. and play. Play and play. Mm -hmm. I like it. What about, what do you like to do with me? Wrestle, snuggle. Outside though. What are we going to do outside? When it's nice. Daddy daughter time. Riding our bike. Yeah. Going to the park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the park's fun. Ride bikes to the park. All right. Yeah. That sounds good. Are you excited for third grade to come around in the fall? No. 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 Well, you know what? Third grade's gonna be a little different this year, I think. I think there's gonna be some weird you're gonna be there a couple of days and then maybe you'll be home for a couple of days. Wait, but what? yeah, it's gonna be different. But 
we don't know all the details yet, but you're going to be with your dad for a couple of those days. I think mommy's going to go back full time to her job and you and I can spend some more time together though. Well, let's do this review. So, Zoe, we received eight reviews for last month in June. So can you help us to ask our electronic friend? Yes, sir. All right. (laughs) Alexa, pick a number between one and eight. Your random number between one and eight is one. Excellent. Well, our first review is from Brittany, and she writes in and leaves this awesome review. I absolutely love this podcast. I have only been listening to podcasts about for two years. I'm a runner and I have switched from music to podcasts with running my weekly miles. Annie's podcast is always first on my list to add to my queue as soon as a new episode becomes available. Keep inspiring your listeners. You're doing a fantastic job and say hi to Zoe for me. That's great. So thank you, Brittany, for that awesome review. And we'll definitely say hi to Zoe. Hi, Zoe. (laughs) (laughs) And Zoe, thank you very much for reading that review. And Brittany, we are going to send you an email right after this episode asking which book you'd like. And I hope you enjoy one of those books. It'll help you to either create some financial independence for yourself or maybe just help out a young person in your life. Who wants to learn about money? So, absolutely, whatever that meant, whatever that noise was. Yuppie doodles. Yuppie doodles. So we're going to do this again next month, my friends. Same books, same process, and same Zoe. And (laughs) if you want to be read on this podcast, leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Zoe's going to read it, and it's going to be awesome. Now she's copying me. She's copying me. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Zoe, you ready to go to bed? Nope. Oh, you didn't copy me that time. This month on the show, we have an incredible lineup that I'm super excited to share with you. Next Monday, July 13th, author Ken Rusk, he's going to join me to talk about how kids can earn six-figure income without a college degree. The Monday after that, we have financial expert Deacon Hayes, and he's going to share his big victory in paying off his mortgage early, and then he's going to give us a bunch of steps on how we can do the same. And then the Monday after that, the last Monday of the month, July 27th, Lisa Shader is coming on the show to tell us how she became a millionaire by age 32. Super early, super awesome. Excited to share with you all. Please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any of this action, my friends. Big thanks to Dan Tabbitt for editing the show this week, Alec Collins for bringing these shows to life on YouTube. Thank you both very much for helping me make this show come to life. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Jay-Z. Belief in oneself and knowing who you are, that's the foundation for everything great. It's time to believe and take action, my friends. Carpe diem!